This is the last message in the series on worship. And I, I, I believe God has done something in our hearts in the area of worship. Do you, do you feel that? you believe God's done something in your heart? And these last two messages, again, I want to tell you, are like a summary of the entire series. And the title of the message today is The Reward of Worship. The Reward of Worship. And we're going to tie worship and giving together. Now, I realize that we're, we are um, going to give an offering today for the satellite campus and the youth facility. I didn't know this when we started. I didn't plan this. I want you to know. Um, I'm, not the, I'm not that smart. I, I basically just kind of pray and hear God and just preach. And then all of a sudden I look back and say, wow, that sure came together great, you know. And that's kind of what happened. But worship and giving are tied together all through the Bible. I knew somewhere in this series we would have to talk about this because you can't read about worship in the Bible and not read about offerings and altars and sacrifices. It's all through the Bible. So let me show you. Matthew chapter 2, and I, wanna, um, I want you to notice some words that begin with W, and I'll point them out. There's three words that begin with W that I want you to notice, all right? Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. It's very important to notice that the wise men did not go to Bethlehem first. They didn't follow the star to Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem first. And they said, where is he? Notice the word where. That's the first W word I want you to notice. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Second word that begins with a W that I want you to notice, worship. And then look down at verse 11. And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned, won't you notice the word warned, in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. All right, let me show you three truths from this scripture about worship. Number one, worship includes an offering. All through the Bible, there were offerings associated with worship. Again, I want to remind you that the definition of worship is expressing our love to God. And one of the ways that we express our love is through giving to God, through an offering to God. And it's all through the Bible. Bring uh, an offering. Offer a sacrifice. Build an altar. Think about this. For thousands of years, people offered dead animals uh, as a sacrifice to God. Now, I guess for the first time in my life, I had this thought this week. Did God like that? (laughs) I mean, think about an animal, you put an animal on an altar, you cut it up into pieces, and you burn it. And and I'm thinking, this is the God I worship. I mean, is he a little off? I mean, I don't know. You know, all of a sudden, maybe you wouldn't say that, especially in church, you know. But it just hit me. I thought, why would God do that? Why would God want people to burn an animal? And he did it for thousands of years. Well, it's not the sacrifice It's the heart behind the sacrifice. I want you to think about this. If you were a rancher, for you to take one of your animals and offer it to God, not be able to sell it, but to offer it to God, meant that God had to do a work in your heart. For if you were a farmer and you gave the first fruits of your crop to the Lord, you were... You, you, there was something that God did in your heart. And that's what giving is about. Giving is completely, totally about the heart and so is worship. Worship has always been about the heart, and giving has always been about the heart. God doesn't need dead animals. 
He needs our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants to have a relationship with us. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So God implemented giving to be able to do a work in our lives in the area uh, of our hearts. Now, these were extravagant gifts that these guys gave. They were sacrificial gifts. I want you to know that. I'm going to have to tear down some myths about these wise men, and maybe you've heard some of this, but some of it you may not have heard, and you might not like what I'm about to tell you. But number one, these were not kings. Okay? They, they were not kings. Nothing in the Bible, nothing in history, nothing. Let me say it one more time. Nothing supports the fact that they were kings because they were not kings. Uh, you know the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are Wrong. That's, that's, it's wrong. That's what it is. Okay? They were not kings. The reason I'm telling you that is because they weren't wealthy. Because if you think they were wealthy, gold, frankincense, and myrrh were normal gifts for kings. But they were not kings. Let me tell you what they were. Now, you're not going to like this. I already know you're not going to like it. The Greek word for uh, here is magi. I, I actually heard a preacher say one time, magi means majestic. Well, that's ignorant. That's, that's all that is. There's nothing about it that means that. That's not what it means. Magi means magicians. I told you I wouldn't go like this. Magicians. These men were scientists. They were astronomers, and they were, unfortunately, listen, they were also astrologers. They, I, I know, I know, some of you are so mad at me. I'm sorry. Some of you, you want to go home, take the wise men off the nativity scene. Well, you're the, okay. <laughs> they were pagans. They were pagans. But that's what's great about it. This is wonderful. You know what this means? Not only, see, shepherds came to worship him, but also these came from the east. What's great about this is Jesus is not only the Jewish Messiah, and he is, he's the Savior of the world. This is a prophetic picture that even if you're a pagan, you can worship God. Even if you worship the stars and don't understand about the things of God, they didn't understand the Bible. That's the reason they had to go to Jerusalem to ask the priest, where is he? They, had, they, they could have read it, but they couldn't understand it because they didn't know. And the reason I'm telling you that is, is because these were extravagant gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh were the most extravagant gifts they could have brought from their land. And again, I want you to tell you, they were not rich. Let me put it another way. They were science teachers. Do teachers make a lot of money? No. <laughs> one, in one of the other services, some lady said, no. I, I thought, okay. <laughs> She's a teacher, so I understand that. They weren't rich, but they brought their best. This is what I want to know from you. Do you bring your best when you come to worship? When you have a quiet time, does God have all of your attention? Don't ever, ever, ever check emails while you're having a quiet time. And don't check emails first. Go to God first. First thing, first. Put God first in the morning. Put God first. That when you come to worship, are you thinking about something else? Does God have all of you? Does He have your attention? Does He have your best? This morning, did you give it your best? When we sang and we worshiped God, was it the best you could have done? If it was the last worship service you were ever going to be in, could you leave this earth saying, that's the best worship I could do? Every time we come to God, we've got to bring our best. That's the whole point of this. These guys brought their best 
to God. And here's the great thing. Oh, and by the way, this is why God says in the Old Testament, don't bring me a blind, sac- a blind sacrifice. Don't bring a blind. Why? Because it's not your best. Don't bring a lame, a sheep that's lame. Don't bring a lame sacrifice. Bring your best. Here's the great thing about bringing your best. Everyone can do it. Everyone can do it. You don't have to be rich to bring your best. All of us can do it. See, God didn't say, okay, you want my attention? Um, $100,000. You give hundred grand, and uh, I'll answer your prayers. He didn't say that. You want to know why? Because 100000 is not attainable for some. And for others, it's not a sacrifice. So what he said is, I want everyone to bring their best. No matter what your best is. That's why Solomon, a king, gave 1,000 bulls and God appeared to him at night and said, ask anything you want. And that's the same reason that a widow gave two mites and Jesus said, stop everybody. This woman just gave more than everybody else. You see the guy over there with the gold chains? That woman gave more. She gave more. Why? Because she gave her best and he didn't give his best. See, everyone can give your best. And that's what we can do today. Here, here's something that excites me about this offering. We, we're giving the offering to God, but we have a purpose for it. We're going to buy a satellite facility and extension campus, and it's for the youth. Here's something that really got me excited when I was praying about this offering. Some of you that are going to give today will never go to that building. You know why that's exciting? Because it's like missions. I, it's, I'm not going to go, and I don't even have children in the youth ministry anymore. But I'll give. Because someone's going to go. And someone's going to get saved, and someone's going to get delivered, and someone's going to get healed, and someone's going to get discipled, and we're going to win the next generation for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'll give. So you can bring your best. Today you can bring your best. I've been watching. It's, it's amazing. I, we've not given yet. I have the check right here because Debbie has not been in the services until this service. And so I've been sitting up here watching. It's wonderful to watch as people come and give. There's tears and there's joy. There's, you know, you don't have to cry. But I've seen joy. I've seen tears. Here's the thing that hit me, though, last night in the first offering. I saw some people come down who I know are struggling financially. And I knew in my spirit they were sacrificing. And right after I saw this person come down, this family, I'm going to tell you what hit me last night. I saw a person I know with a lot of means come forward and gave an offering. I don't know what he gave. And maybe... I. But in my spirit, I thought, I hope he sacrificed too. Because here's what happens. A lot of times when we give an offering, it's the people who have the most need that really sacrifice. And a lot of times people who've got money don't sacrifice. And I'm saying some of you here have really been blessed by God, and you know you've been blessed. And I'm challenging you to sacrifice today. Don't tip God. Don't insult him. Sacrifice. So number one... Worship includes an offering. Here's number two. Worship is about the attitude, not the act. Worship is about the attitude, not the act. It's always been about the attitude. It's always been about the heart. Let me, let me show you a scripture that ties worship and giving together. Again, I could have preached several messages on this, and I felt like I was only supposed to preach this one. Here's, here's one. Ties worship and giving together. When you bring your gift to the altar... Well, the altar is where your worship gift is giving. When you bring your gift to the altar and you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift and go and be reconciled with your brother, then come and give your gift. All right, let me give a, let me paraphrase that because worship is about the attitude, not the act. Let me paraphrase that verse. When you bring your gift to the altar and your attitude's not right, that's what he said, then, then you leave your gift and you go get your attitude right. 
and then bring your gift and give it. It's always been about the attitude. Worship is about the attitude. Giving is about the attitude. I, I am very, very grieved. I'm very, very grieved at the preaching that's going on in the body of Christ about giving right now. It grieves me. You want to know why? Because it's give to get. I understand, listen to me, I understand that God blesses us. What my last point is that there's a reward. I understand that. But that's not our motive. That's not why. We, we should give because we love. We should give because we want to. We should give because God has changed our lives and we can never give Him enough. Giving, God implemented giving to tear down greed and selfishness in our lives. And the reason he wants to tear down greed and selfishness in our lives is because greed and selfishness, is the, is the, those are the root causes of about 99% of the problems we have. And God wants to get it out of our life. So he, he did not implement giving because he was short. <laughs> you know, I, I got some bills and I, oh, I'll get, I'll get people to give. That's what I'll do. And then I can pave the rest of this street here in heaven. No, he, he's got plenty. He implemented giving for our good to help us. And the preaching on giving today, the give to get message, actually, in my opinion, builds up greed and selfishness. I'm going to give so I can drive a nicer car. That, the preacher up there said, if I give, I could wear, uh, have, have more money. I understand, listen to me again, I understand God blesses us. But it's wrong to have that motive. We should give because we want to give. You understand? And that's why God did it. God did it because He wants to help us. There is a spirit in this world today called mammon. Jesus very clearly said this, you cannot serve God and mammon. I want you to think about this statement, you ought to memorize it. You ought to say it every morning, I cannot serve God and mammon today. I cannot serve God and mammon. I've got to serve one another, and mammon is not money. Mammon is an Aramaic word which means riches, and it comes from the Syrian god of riches. It means the god of riches. Let me say it another way. It means the false god or the demonic principality over money. All money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of mammon on it. The way to get the spirit of God on your money, God told us how to do it. He said, anytime you make any income at all, take the first part of it and offer it to me and I'll redeem the rest. You can get, I'll redeem it. You can get the rest out from under the control of a demonic spirit and you can get my blessing on it. So all the money that's in your accounts right now either has the spirit of mammon on it or the spirit of God. Depends on whether you gave the first of it to God or not. It's very, very important. And I know it's good. Thank you. So, <laughs> sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just having a good time. You want to know why? Because this will set you free. The give to get message will not set you free. The give to give message will. It will change your life. It will change your marriage. It will change your health. It will change everything about your life. If God breaks selfish, selfishness off of your life. And mammon always lies to us. Mammon can talk. That's why I know it's not money. It's a spirit. It's the spirit. It's a spirit. Spirits can talk. And if you don't think mammon can talk, wait till you start writing the check today. <laughs> It'll talk to you. Uh, that's uh, too many zeros. <laughs> Jesus never told anyone the answer to his problems was more money. That's what mammon will tell you. Mammon tries to tell us. Ma mammon, let me say it this way. Mammon will promise you everything that only God can give you. Mammon will promise you identity. Mammon will promise you security. Mammon will promise you happiness and peace and joy. Mammon will promise you significance. Isn't that right? That's what mammon does. Listen, all, all those things only come from God. God gives those things. And we're going to have to make a decision. Jesus never said to a leper, 
uh, you know what you need? You need more money. Never. If you believe the answer to your problems is more money, then you've been deceived by the spirit of mammon. See, you remember Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon? Let me show you the contrast. Here's what a lot of people think. God, I either need you to come through or I need more money. Either one's okay with me. But it's not okay. God wants our hearts. And giving is about the attitude, not about the act. It's about God doing a work in our hearts. Here's the third thing I want to tell you. Worship brings a reward. Worship brings a reward. Now, I want to show you the reward. This is probably the most clearest passage that I know of in the Bible that shows the reward of worship and the reward of sacrificial giving. Remember the three W's that I told you I wanted you to remember, the three W's? first one was where, the second one was worship, the third one was warned. All right, think about this. This, this is going, you're going to love this. This will change your life, I promise you. The wise men, wise, there's another W. Should have used that one. Wise men, the wise men, wise, these are wise guys. Wise men. <laughs> These wise men did not go to Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem. And they said, where is he? And the priest said, in, the Bible says in Bethlehem. So then they went to Bethlehem, okay? Then they worshipped. Then God warned them in a dream. God spoke to them. Okay, listen, listen, listen. You're going to love this. Before they worshipped, they had to go to other people to find out what the Bible was saying. After they worshipped, God spoke directly to them. Is that good? See, the reward of worship is to be able to hear God. They couldn't hear God until they worshiped. The reward of worship, let's bring in last week's message as well. The reward of worship is to be able to meet with, speak with, and hear God. I've been in ministry. This favor will be 25 years. 25 years in ministry. Number one question. No doubt, not even a close second, Within number one question I've been asked for 25 years, Pastor, how can I hear God? Everybody wants to hear God. And then some people ask it a different way. This is, they don't ask it this way, but here's what they actually mean. They, some people say, how can I hear God? Here's what other people ask. Can you hear God for me? Pastor, would you tell me what God is saying? Would you pray and tell me what God is saying? No, I won't. Because you can hear God if you'll worship. And the only way you can worship is to sacrifice your lives to God, including your finances. And if you'll give your life sacrificially to God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Our, our praises, Colossians says, are spiritual sacrifices to God. Living a, a believing life in Jesus is about living a life of sacrifice. Not letting mammon take over, not letting mammon control us. And, then, and this word warned, by the way... Watch, listen to this word. Then being divinely warned by God in a dream. You ever wonder why it uses the word warned? This, this is a great truth right here. It didn't say then God instructed them or then God told them. It says God warned them not to go back to Herod. Why would he do that? Well, let me just tell you about Herod. Herod had a problem. And let me give you the medical term for his problem. And listen to me carefully because I'll, I'll probably have to explain because I'm going to use a medical term here. Here's the medical, here's the reason God warned them not to go back to Herod. Here's the medical term because Herod was crazy. <laughs> he was crazy. There's no doubt about it. One of the uh, historians of the day said that Herod was uh, so afraid that people were going to get his throne that he killed his favorite wife. His favorite one. <laughs> What about the ones he didn't like? That was the one he did like. 
He killed his favorite wife. He, uh, he killed two of his sons because he thought they were going to take over his throne. He, he gathered, right when he found out he was going to die, he gathered 50, 50 of the wisest men in Israel. He said, I want the 50 wisest and most beloved men in all of Israel to come meet him in the palace. And he put them in a room and he gave instructions. When I die, I want you to kill all of them because I want uh, there to be great mourning in Israel at my death. By the way, when he uh, did die, the people around him knew his medical condition. Remember his medical condition? Crazy. So they let the 50 go, by the way. This guy was crazy, completely crazy. Do you know why it says then God warned them? Because if they had gone back, it was, it's not only possible, it's probable he would have killed them. So that the word wouldn't get out that a king was born. Okay, here's my question for you. How many things in your life is God wanting to warn you about, but you can't hear him? Because you're not a worshiper. And worship includes an offering. Because you're not a sacrificial giver. You can't hear God. You've got to come hear someone else to tell you what the Bible means. You can't hear it for yourself. I'm just wondering how many business deals that you've lost money in, and how many bad purchases have you made. And, and in all the time, God was trying to warn you. But because you weren't a giver, because you weren't a worshiper, he couldn't warn you. Uh, and, and when I said it's probable, probable he would have killed the wise men, you remember what he did do when they didn't come back. This is crazy. This is crazy. He killed every baby. Every male baby two years and younger in Israel. That's crazy. He's a mass murderer. And by the way, he killed his own son. He had, he had a son too and killed him. His, that was two years old. Now, you know. Killed his own son in case the prophecy was about him. Oh, this guy's crazy. Oh, and let me just tell you something. Let me tell you the end of the story. Five, the day he made, when he said kill all the children on that day, he got a disease in his stomach, and he died five days later, the most horrible, painful death you could die. I told my wife that yesterday in the car, and she said, good. <laughs> He's crazy. He was crazy. Would you agree he was crazy? Okay. They were warned by God. Wouldn't you like to be warned by God? about plans that the enemy has for your bad and to hurt your family, I'm going to tell you how you can live a life where God will speak directly to you. You live a life of sacrifice and worship to God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm very open. I tell you all these things about me, and I don't know any other way to be. People say, thank you for being so transparent. I don't know any other way to be. I don't. I was an associate pastor before I came here for years and years and years. And um, I, uh, we started the church. At the end of the first year, we had 200. At the end of the second year, we had 600. So it's really been only in about the last three to four years that the church has grown. Now we have over 12,000 active members. Active. It's just God. Well, I don't set my own salary. As uh, the church has grown, there are elders that are, uh, that are not on staff. I don't pay. You know, they're in the business world. They do studies. Uh, comparisons of churches our size, they set my salary. I've been very blessed. In the last three to four years, I've been very blessed financially. I didn't know what was happening. Last year, when 
we did the one life offering. I said, God, what do you want me to give? And God spoke to me to give an amount that was very large and to make a commitment that was very large over two years. I'd have to adjust things to do it. And I, I said to the Lord, I bet you've done this for when the Lord says something to you. I said, are you sure? <laughs> Have you ever asked God that? I can just see God say, well, let me check. Oh, no, I made a mistake in my numbers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forget that. No, he says, yeah, I'm sure. And I was shocked. I'm, I'm telling you, I was shocked. You, you're not catching. I was shocked. I mean, shocked. The Greek word, shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> I said, God. You're sure? I said, I'm sure. When I did, my eyes were opened. And I realized in about the last three years that mammon has been influencing me. See, things aren't a temptation if you can't afford them. You know, would you like a sports car like that? Nah, I couldn't get it. All of a sudden I could get it. And I saw my heart had been drawn. I didn't see this until I gave. When I made that commitment and began to give, I realized, see, there's two things, two keys to being blessed. Live below your means and give generously. Some of you live below your means, but you don't give. You're stingy. You'll never be blessed financially. And some of you, that's the reason. You say, well, I, just, I, I, I don't have much, so I can't give. You'll never have much. And some of you give, but you don't live below your means. You'll never be blessed because God will not bless poor stewards. You have to do both those things to be blessed. In both areas, I had pulled back some from my, my convictions. I had started living more above my means. Not, I was still below, but not like I was supposed to be. And I wasn't giving as generously as I was. And I'm telling you, in the last six months, I have fallen more in love with Jesus. He's restored the joy of my salvation. I'm living my life for the kingdom's sake, not for me. And I am so excited about the closeness that I sense between God and me now. And it happened because I got my life back on track and said, God, I'll adjust my living to be able to give generously to your kingdom. And God's rewarding me for it with the joy and the peace that I have in my heart. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this series? This series of worship, of serving God and giving God our lives, what's he saying? And what's he saying about sacrificing our lives for the kingdom? What's God saying to you? Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak to every one of us. And Lord, I pray that you will seal this series of messages to our hearts. God, I pray that we will be the most extravagant worshipers and generous givers. In Jesus' name, amen.